The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We are dishing out an hour of hot soap topics with our special guest, Richard Sims, and we're taking your calls all hour long today on Soap Central Live. What's happening this week on your favorite soap operas? It's time to talk about all the daytime drama on Soap Central Live with Dan J. Kroll. Get ready for the latest soap news, scoops, recaps, and interviews with your favorite daytime stars. Now, here's Dan. Welcome to another edition of Soap Central Live, everybody. I am your host, Dan Kroll, and for oh, about the next hour, we're going to be carving into the latest soap news, both on and off screen, and dishing out some behind-the-scenes stories. It's Friday, November 22nd, and this is our last show before Thanksgiving, so that may explain some of the food references in my intro trying to get into the mood, trying to think up what might be on this year's menu. We're going to be joined in just a few bits by Richard Sims of Soaps in Depth magazine. But before we get into the show, I do want to take a moment to once again say how thankful I am for your support on SoapCentral.com and here on Soap Central Live. I've been poking around my inbox over the past couple of days and reading some of the incredible emails that I've gotten from soap fans over the past, well, it's almost 19 years now. I have to say that for as thankful as you all have said that you are for having SoapCentral.com as a place where you can go to for the latest soap news and recaps and scoops, I'm even more thankful that you've allowed me the opportunity for so long to come into your home and into your office. And actually, that sounds a little creepy. Uh, I haven't really been in your home, but if I were, I'd at least do a little swiffering while I was there so it wouldn't be so much of an imposition and there is a segue in there, I suppose. While we're talking about Swiffering, if you're looking for a chance to talk about the latest soap news and what's going on in your favorite soap, you have cleaned up today because we're going to be talking about the biggest soap stories all hour long. It'll be soap stories behind the scenes and stuff that's playing out on screen. So all you have to do is call in if you want to share a little bit of what's on your mind. The phone lines are open right now. They're going to be open all hour. So give us a call. It's toll-free at 866-472-5788. Again, it's 866-472-5788. I'll give that number throughout the show just in case you're thinking about calling in. I know that not everybody is able to call in. Perhaps you're busy chasing down a turkey. You can also take some time out to chat with us on Twitter and ask your questions there. Follow us at Soap Central. You can tweet your questions and thoughts there. I'm going to try to read as many as I can on air. We've already gotten a bunch that I know that we want to address. And there's also a live discussion thread on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash soapcentral. I'm going to be poking around there as well to see what you guys have to say about what we're talking about or things that are popping into your mind that you want to talk about. Again, if you ever 
thought that you had, something that you wanted to ask about your favorite soap, whether it's something from the past or something from the present or maybe even the future, all you have to do is call in. Now is the time to ask it because we're taking your calls all hour long. As I said, I do have a guest this week. He is the executive editor of Soaps in Depth magazine by day and by night. Well, I don't want to give all the details away of his secret life, but by night he is an author, a live tweeter of all things TV-related, and I'm learning a cruise aficionado. Let's welcome back Richard Sims to the show. Richard, welcome back to the show. You know, I'm a little concerned about the fact that you said that if you were in people's homes, you'd be slippering. Are you implying that your listeners have dirty homes? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying I would, you know, pick up. I'm not going to help myself to food. That would be rude. If I'm going to do anything, I'm going to Swiffer. I don't clean bathrooms, so I'm not going to be, you know, using the plunger or anything like that. So I figure Swiffer is a nice, happy compromise. Well, I have to say, we have a good chance of this turning into a real-life episode of a soap opera because as we speak, I am living the glamorous life of the Soaps and Depth executive editor. I am being chauffeured home. And so, you know, maybe there'll be like some kind of accident and it'll be just like on the Bold and the Beautiful. I'll throw my hands up into the air dramatically and we'll, we'll swerve the camera to the left and it'll be very exciting. That would be horrible. We don't want anything to happen to you. Uh, I was going to say not during the show, but we don't want anything to happen to you at all. But certainly, certainly not during the show. That would be horrible. So I mentioned that you are a cruise aficionado. Uh, we had maybe wanted to have you here last week to talk about some of the stories, but as luck would have it, you were on the high seas. What were you doing? What was this cruise that you were on? I was, in fact. It was my very first cruise. I was on the Norwegian Gem sailing out of New York, and uh, I was basically doing all the things that one would expect one to do in a casino. I was gambling and drinking and floating about and having lots of good meals, and it was really just a, a fantastic time. It was just an overnight trip. Uh, so I, I left Friday and came home Saturday morning, and it was just a fantastic time. I really can't wait to do it again. Okay, so I think the question that everybody wants to know, and I'm sure it's blowing up Twitter, they <laughs> would like to know, were there mermaid slot machines on this cruise? You know, I have to say there were no mermaid slot machines. There was Black Widow, which is my one of my personal favorites. Uh, and and I did, in fact, win some money, but there were no mermaids, I'm afraid. Well, that sounds like the worst cruise since the Titanic. Awful, horrible. <laughs> it wasn't. It, 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 you would have enjoyed it. We would have had fun. Eh, well, you know, we'll see. I, me and, and being stuck out at sea just doesn't really go along with what I would want to do. You know, Do they have television? Could you watch the soaps there if you wanted to? Uh, they did have television. I don't know how limited the channel selection was, but you know, if you go on a if you go on a one night cruise and you're sitting in your room watching TV, then I don't know. We might have to have a talk. <laughs> a one night cruise for those of you out there who got excited. This is not some sort of dating service. We are talking about <laughs> an actual boat uh, thing. You know, a, a ship. And this will work into the segue, hopefully. There are a lot of soap fans who ship, as the, the kids say now, particular actors or couples. And we're going to be talking about some of those today, Richard, because there's a, a really a lot of 
of soap news. It seems like every time we get around near Thanksgiving or so, there's a flurry of soap news, and it gets quiet until somewhere around the end of the year. So let's start off with probably, I want to say it's the topic that I've seen the most people talking about. It's the one that has generated the most comments on uh, all sides of the, the spectrum. The Young and the Restless is recasting the role of Billy Abbott because uh, Emmy winner, two-time Emmy winner, uh, Billy Miller is leading the show. There were some contract negotiations. For whatever reason, they did not pan out. Billy Miller is leading the show. David Tom, who won an Emmy when he was there from 1999 to 2002, he's coming back into the role. So it's a very interesting casting decision. It's a very interesting uncasting decision. And I don't know if I'm at liberty to say this, but I will anyway. You and I talked about this before it became public knowledge and so we've been we've been discussing this behind the scenes for quite some time so what are your initial thoughts on this whole billy abbott recast uncast situation well you're right you and i started talking about this probably about three weeks ago um we kind of knew it was coming it was it wasn't a done deal but both of us kind of had heard from various sources that that it was very, very likely to happen. I think the surprise here was David Tom. I could never have, you know, I don't think if you had asked me who would I cast on this role, I would have given you a, a hundred names, and I don't think I would have even thought of him, to be honest, even though, you know, I, I loved his Billy. I liked him as Paul on One Life to Live. I think the best thing about this, in a weird way, is the timing. If you look at what's happening on screen right now, Billy and Victoria's relationship is at a really tenuous place. You know, I mean, because of Delia's death, he is so mired in grief, he can't see straight. She's trying to help him, but he keeps pushing her away. They're doing sort of what they did with Michael and Lauren a year or so ago, which was this fantastic exploration of a marriage you know, sort of falling apart at the seams. Well, what better time to switch actors? Because you can separate Billy and Victoria, still have them trying to get back together, but if for whatever reason Amelia Heinley and David Tom don't have the chemistry that mm-hmm. Billy Miller did, then no problem. You just spin them into new stories with new people. It's really a win-win. You get to chemistry test them with each other, even as you chemistry test them with other people. So, you know, timing-wise... Uh, you know, this, this couldn't be better. That's actually what I was thinking. You know, a lot of times when roles are recast, the explanation from the shows are we've decided to take the character in a different direction. And you're absolutely right. It really does give them a chance to either completely move away from a story that's being told to something that fans might not otherwise have suspected or, or accepted with one actor in the role. But if they don't want to do that, and if they wanted to try to keep going down the path and it's not working, you're right. It does give them the opportunity to to sort of move in that other direction. For me, I'm with you. David Tom wasn't the really in my on my radar. What I think is interesting about it is that by having someone who well, let me let me backtrack. At first, I thought they were going to bring in someone new because I thought that that might be the best way for them to go for the show to bring in someone that no one had ever heard of, and it wouldn't be as the comparisons wouldn't be there. It would be someone who maybe fans would give a, a chance because they were newcomer. But then I got to thinking about it after they announced that David Tom was coming back and thought, you know, this is actually smart because David Tom already has a built-in fan base. So it might not be as offensive to fans who immediately were going to say, I don't want, you know, uns- unheard of newcomer onto the show. 
so it sort of has that built-in ability. And from what I'm seeing, we've got a lot of people who are are really excited about this on Twitter. Jay Parrish 90 said, hate to see Billy Miller go, but very, very excited about David Tom returning to the role. Erica, who's Seattle Girl 78, said, uh, sad to see Billy Miller go, but excited to see where the next chapter takes him. If they had to recast, David was the perfect choice. And then there are a lot of people like Monica who wrote in and said, not happy about it, may stop watching the show. I'm sure, well, Richard, you've seen a lot of that, too. Well, of course, that's the risk that you have with every recast. And I think it's important to recognize that, you know, I I try and say this a lot. Acting is just like any other job. And, you know, none of us, for the most part, for the most part, very few of us stay in the same job for our entire lives. And, you know, well, I said, that's why I stopped myself and said very few of us. I mean, and I, and I, you know, I sort of agree. I've been, I've been at Chips and Ducks since 19, what, 90, when did we start? 94, 97, I don't know, sometime. I've been there for like 17 years. Um, but, but, you know, actors, for various reasons, decide to move on. And you can either, you know, accept it or not, of course, but, I always think it's it's smart to remember that some of our favorite characters are recasts, including, you know, Billy Abbott is a recast. You know, David Tom, and even before him there were others, uh, Ryan Brown. Melody Thomas Scott is not the original Nikki. You know, there are Peter Berkman, let's face it, he, when he first took over the role of Jack, no one thought, because they all knew him as nice guy Cliff Warner on All My Children, no one thought that Peter Peter Bergman would come in and just, you know, now you don't, think about the previous actors who played that role. So it's always it's always a, t- a hard thing to adjust when a major player like this steps out. But at the same time, it's worth, you know, giving that per- giving, giving it a try and staying with it. I would hate to see people tune out just because of one actor. Absolutely. I've always said that I don't watch any show for one particular story, one particular actor, one particular couple. I mean, maybe I'm one of the rare persons who who feels that way. But we do have a caller who wants to talk about The Young and the Restless. So while we're trying to figure out what it is that fans like, I figured let's find out what one has to say. We have Matt from New York who wants to talk about The Young and the Restless. Matt, welcome to Soap Central Live. Hey, guys. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How about yourself? Not too bad. I'm getting ready to uh, start cooking soon for this uh, holiday, and uh, I need my floors cleaned. You're cooking already? Well, I'm going to get started. You know, I got some things to prep, but, but but I need my floors cleaned, and so I'm 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 waiting for you to. I don't want to start until you've finished the floors. <laughs> uh, my was going to be the Swiffer with the little dusting Swiffer. It's not actually well, the floor Swiffer. Well, oh, oh no, that no, that doesn't really work very well for me. No. <laughs> call Wait, the, we'll, call we'll work a, on call P&G adorable old people. Call those adorable little old people to come over and swiffer for you. I love yeah. them. That's a good idea. That is a good commercial. So, well, I'm, nobody really wants to talk about swiffers. You want to no, talk about true. the young and the I'm, restless? Actually, I'm, I'm not necessarily calling about the David Tom issue. Although I'm, I'm, I'm kind of uh, upset to see Billy Miller go. I'll give David a chance. I wasn't watching when he was on, so I okay. don't. I remember him sort of. I actually remember him more as uh, Paul in One Life to Live. So I'm kind of like, okay, I'll give it a chance. But I was actually curious, and I'm I'm kind of glad both you and Richard are there. One of the things that bothered me about the Delia storyline, of course, it bothered me that obviously they killed the little girl, but the reason they did it basically to give Connor her corneas. And what bothers me is, and Dan, and you and I have emailed about this a few years ago, I believe, when Angie lost her vision. And what bothers me is the soaps 
handling of disabilities. And what I think would have been a brilliant story to tell, and soaps never do, is a couple dealing with a child who is born with a, dis- a disability and allowing the child to continue to have it. I and agree that- with you. I mean, I, I totally agree, and I think uh, we had Linda Hirsch on who was talking about her real-life experience where she needed a cornea transplant, mm-hmm. uh, you know, woke up one day, and her vision was completely gone. So, I mean, there is, there is that element, and one of the things that I want to get Richard to weigh in on that I heard from a lot of fans who didn't like the Delia storyline because soap fans were saying, some were saying that they watch soaps for escapism. They're not watching it to you know, hear about horrible things happening to children. Many of them have their own children, so they don't want to see the the death aspect. I'm wondering what the response would have been if, uh, as you're saying, Matt, that they had gone a different route and instead of choosing death, they had chose to keep, uh, you know, everyone alive and, and deal with a, a disability the child has. Richard, do you think that that would have went over any better well, it's a tough call. I mean, I think whenever you get into less, it's horrible to talk about and horrible to say, but, you know, you get into things like disabilities and death, you know, the the Ds, and, and you're basically talking about things that aren't on the surface really entertaining. You know, does anybody really want to tune in? Now, I have to apologize to Y&R to a certain degree because, you know, when they were killing Delia at the beginning of this story, I was like, nobody wants to see this. And yet their ratings went up, you know. Um, I, their ratings went up fairly significantly with, with this story and some of the other things they well, have the acting going was on. Phenom- the acting was phenomenal. I mean, that's, Incredible. It, it was. Undeniable. And I, right, and I have no issue with that. I just wish for once. The soaps, because I think the soaps, truthfully, I mean, there's a lot of other issues they portray, and they've done well. They have did well with Bianca's coming out. They've done well with a lot of other things. I think the soaps get an absolute F from me when it comes to dealing with disabilities all the time. You know what the Everyone problem with that always is? gets better. There's, there's no, honestly, there's nothing sexy about it. You know, alcoholism or drug addicts or whatever, you can, you can tell that story, you can tell it over a short period of time or make it a long-term thing, and, and, and you can sort of play some drama in it. They don't really, soaps don't really historically do children well to begin with. You know, they're always sent off to the other room to eat cookies or cake or, you know, I'm surprised <laughs> all the children in soap towns aren't 500 pounds. But they don't, they, they also, I, I think... I think it would be a no-win situation to try and do a child with a severe disability story because the parents who have experienced are going to say, yeah, you're not able to do this correctly. This is not what it's really like. And the parents who haven't experienced it, they don't want to necessarily think about it. You know, I, ha- I, I have a coworker who has a child who's been going through um, something really, really awful for the last two years. And, and, I don't think she necessarily would want to turn on television and watch a portrayal of that. I, I can respect the child thing, but I, my problem is they don't even do adults well. That's, that's kind of my issue with it. Everyone always gets well. No one really, they don't. They, I have, the only one I can honestly remember in the longest time is Matt on Port Charles because Matt was in a wheelchair. Right. So I, had, I actually had no thinking the same. I was thinking the same thing. And you're very right. Um, I've always thought it would be really great to do that long term. You know, not everybody recovers from. I, you know, the, the the best recovery that I've seen in recent soap years, really, and it's kind of silly, but it's the best, is probably Rafe on Days of Our Lives. Who, I mean, my God, he's been in that hospital for like <laughs> seven months now. You know, um, he's been there forever. <laughs> 
Well, let me chime in with something. It's not necessarily a disability. So for anybody who's listening, hear me out on this one. Matt, what is your take on perhaps Stuart Chandler on All My Children, who's not necessarily someone with uh, a known disability, but Stuart was always portrayed as maybe having some uh, learning difficulties. I mean, he was brought on and as as the opposite of Adam. I mean, it's not necessarily where we would go where you're saying about uh, actual physical disabilities or something else, but I mean, Stuart was a long-term character, and even with his supposed limitations that you know were were put out there in the beginning often stuart was smarter than everybody else in town and and you're right and i think i remember when he first came on and and it to me it depended on the writer because i think some of the writers really portrayed it with respect and understood that his he had um you know some mental or or he, you know, he had those those issues, and I, I would say it was a disability. And I think it depended on the writers, because I think I think some of the writers handled it well. I think others kind of just glossed over it, and just I felt they they treated it more funny than serious. I was going to say the same thing. I really feel like Stuart was sort of, for the most part, written as, you know, yes, we knew that he had some form of learning disability, but he was really written like your daffy uncle. You know, it wasn't written like in any way, shape, or form as a issue. It was written as, oh, there's crazy Uncle Stewart again. Yeah. Or, or even worse, sometimes they, they did that thing that folks sometimes like to do with things like this where they elevated him to martyrdom. You know, like he was just the kindest and the smartest and he saw things that nobody else saw. And, you know, because <laughs> he was, he, he was the blind man who sees like no one else. And and that's not really doing any kind of service. The only other disability I really remember being handled well, and and again, this is kind of an ironic one too, is when Dallas revealed that uh, Ray and Donna were having a child with Down syndrome, and they decided, oh, yeah. they knew this before the child was born, and they decided to go ahead and have the child, but then that turned out to happen during the dream season, the dream. so that yeah. all got erased, and when they came back, nope, no no disability. <laughs> and they had a deaf... A deaf um... Was it a deaf child or something that they were going to adopt or something like that? I vaguely remember that because I think, isn't that how they introduced Christopher Atkins? Or, uh, uh, yeah. You know, I that he was like, you you know, speedo-clad speedo sign instructor or something. <laughs> yes, I think you're right. Well, I am looking here. I want to make sure that we get on to some other topics. Matt, that was, it, it's, it's funny. You know, sometimes you, you're not sure what a caller wants to talk about, and uh, sometimes it goes in one direction, it goes in another. I'm glad yeah, that I, we had the opportunity to, to rope a lot of different topics into well, that one question. I'm sorry to mess up your theme for the show. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. No, that's that's what I like about the live shows. That's what I like about having people call in is that it is really a chance to talk about pretty much anything under the sun. And yeah. I think that I've found that we have some really, really great listeners. So, Matt, thank you for calling in and for asking your question. Thanks. Have a great holiday. You too. All right. Uh, as I mentioned, people calling in with questions, one of the things I found out, Richard, before we get on to our next topic, is that I hear from a lot of people, either when you're a guest here or when I'm a guest on Tune In Tomorrow, um, a lot of people don't want to call in because they feel like they're going to interrupt our discussion and they don't want to ruin the flow. I've heard that from a lot of people. I'm like, please call in. Uh, you're more than welcome to, to, to interrupt, to join in, to you know, add your thoughts. I, I appreciate people calling in. I believe what they really mean is, oh, my God, Richard has such a big mouth. I'm afraid I won't be able to get a word in edgewise. 
<laughs> well, there is, you know, sometimes it, it, there's a good point to having a big mouth, and sometimes there, there's not. And this is not going where people are thinking. <laughs> sometimes people blab secrets. Other times things are surprises, even to the people who are in charge at shows. And that was the case with Tristan Rogers leaving General Hospital and heading over to The Young and the Restless. If folks remember, uh, Ron Carlovati, the head writer of General Hospital, shared on Twitter that he didn't know that Tristan was leaving the show until you know the night before he he made the announcement so the question with that is what do we think about this jumping ship uh, i think it's it seems bad timing at least right now that we'll be saying goodbye to robert on gh but there you know there's plenty of time for him to still be on the show and and plenty of story coming but i have to say i didn't really foresee Colin returning on The Young and the Restless. That wasn't really somewhere in my mind. So which show do you think makes out best by this? Well, neither show really necessarily loses. I mean, today, if you saw General Hospital today, and if you didn't, cover your ears, because I'm, I'm about to reveal a spoiler for the end. Five, four, three, two, one. Today we got the, you know, the scene that everybody's been waiting for with Robin and, and, and Robert being reunited at the end of GH, and it'll pick up again on Monday as we move toward Robin sort of like heading toward the rest of her family. So, you know, we're getting that payoff on GH. Um, I, I'm hoping that when they take him over to, that when he goes over to Y&R, it'll, it'll humanize, that they're going to, you know, repair him with Jill. Jill for a long time now has been sort of a harpy and sort of just, her whole purpose seems to be running around town just being mean. And I would really like to see them bring in Colin and sort of deal, well, first they have to deal with some of the things he did in the past, but, but then use him to soften Jill and put her in a in a in a romance and let her have a little you know maybe maybe a little nookie will make her nicer. I think that you know I it's it's General Hospital's loss honestly because people have been loving and having him there. But that's what happens when you don't lock somebody in. You know they're free to wander away. I also think it's interesting that there's this little kind of there's like this little casting war going on between GH and and YNR. I mean, you know, the next thing you know, watch. Watch General Hospital say, you know what? You took you took one of ours, fine, we take one of yours. Billy Miller, come be our yes. new Jason. You know? I mean, I'm, I mean I'm, would love if they did something like that. Even if it were short term, just to sort of uh stick it to them. Just my opinion, I just think it'd be a lot of fun. No, I agree. And it's been going on. I mean, you know, you look at it and the two shows really seem to have this like little casting rivalry going on where they keep trying to, to, to take each other's people. So it wouldn't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's out of the, you know, I basically what, I don't know the facts. I'm only telling you what I've heard. That's all we can ever do is, you know, there's always things that go on backstage that we don't necessarily know. But from everything I had heard, it sounded like the big sticking point in Billy Miller's contract negotiations was outs. He wanted more outs to do more projects. And so if if General Hospital were to go to him and say, you know, hey, listen, come over. We'll give you the outs you want because let's face it, the way General Hospital operates these days its stories are very cyclical, so it's kind of easy to write people out for, like, how long AJ was off, you know? It's easy for them to write, as long as they know it's coming, to write people out for a while. So maybe, who knows, maybe General Hospital says, yeah, you know, um, we can we can work that out. Come on over. That allows me to give a plug for anyone who is a General Hospital fan through a series of unfortunate events that were really no fault of my own. I am going to be writing our two scoops column on soapcentral.com for General Hospital this week. I am 
tip-tapping away. I will have it posted this weekend, so it'll be an opportunity for those of you to hear my thoughts on GH. Uh, I've been doing it for all my children for many moons and occasionally for one life to live, but this will be one of the first times for GH, so that'll be a lot of fun. But one of the questions that did come in on Twitter earlier today was from Renee, who is Lakes Girl 2, wanted to know how much longer will Tristan Rogers appear on GH? And Richard, from what I saw on Twitter, from what uh, Ron Carlovati was saying, he will have one day to come up with a February sweeps storyline for, for Tristan's character. So to me, that makes it sound as though we'll be seeing Tristan as uh, 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 on General Hospital for at least another month, maybe more. That's right. We should expect to see him, um, I don't know how regularly, but we will see him through January. I think he, what he was basic, what, what he's actually going to end up doing is not so much writing a sweet story for Robert as writing Robert out of a sweet story. I think that their original story, as I understand it, was going to involve Robert, and now they're basically like, oh crap, we have to rewrite that. And yeah. so it's going to be more a matter of figuring out how to get Robert off the canvas. But, you know, I'd like to just, you know, you know what really makes me happy? When, when Kimberly McCullough came back, uh, you know, uh, a couple of months ago, when, she, when, it, when it was announced that she was coming back to the show, so many people were like, oh, yeah, they're just tricking us. You know, she's going to come back for like three days and then she'll be gone again. And I'm really happy to see that they have, you know, that that is not the case, that they have built big story around this. I wouldn't mind if it moved just a little bit faster. You know, I wouldn't mind, you know, my God, come on, get this way, get to this wedding. Uh, but, but they have actually, you know, built great story around her for, for however much longer she's going to be there. And what GH has done really, really well is that they have a lot of characters interacting where there are right now, there are some performers who are recast in certain roles. A lot of the characters that are being featured front and center are characters that viewers are familiar with. There are some newcomers, you know, sprinkled in here or there, which I think really, really helps and it, it helps move story. But these are characters that people relate to. They're characters that people are familiar with. They're all interconnected. There aren't really a lot of uh, characters that are just floating around who have no connections that people become, you know, just they don't care about and they're, they're ready for them to, to go off and uh, disappear on screen. So I think that that's really, really smart. And like you said, it is interesting to see how fans have reacted with Kimberly McCullough returning, thinking, well, it's only a matter of time. Of course, she's going to break up Patrick and Sabrina, and then people were thinking, well, maybe she won't because she's only going to be there for a short amount of time. Maybe she'll, she won't interrupt. She's going to see them that they're happy and say, hey, I'm going to leave them happy, let them think I'm dead and disappear again. So there, there have been a lot of different things that people have come up with over the past couple of months. And here we are still trying to figure out exactly what's going to happen. Well, let me give you a little preview because my new cover story, which is just now coming out, is actually about the wedding. Um, Robin is definitely going to show up at the wedding. Robin crashes the wedding. And I have no uh -oh. problem saying this because Frank, uh, Frank, Frank Valentini basically told us weeks ago <laughs> and uh, for a news story we were doing a couple weeks ago. So the question here becomes, while, while for most viewers, you know, they're, they basically go to the mindset, well, Robin's back. Of course, Patrick's going to go back to her. But you have to look at it from the point of view of Patrick and to a certain degree from Robin. They've been playing this as well. Robin has acknowledged that in her absence, Patrick has moved on. Patrick has found love, and it's someone who he feels 
love enough to not only marry, but to, you know, bring their daughter into this new family. So she kind of on a certain level understands and respects that, that, you know, this is going to be a major, major, major deal. And at the same time, Patrick is going to have the same thing because Patrick also has to look at this situation and, and say, while, while we might think, well, you're obviously going to run back to, to Robin, he does have a relationship with Sabrina, you know. Um, now, I know there's a lot of people who may not necessarily like that he has this relationship or who may not <laughs> give it as much credence, but the character, no matter how the audience feels, the character obviously feels very committed to this relationship. So I think it's going to be a really interesting week next week as we start seeing all of these um you know, as we get closer and closer, the wedding does take place next week. The wedding does start next week. The big question is, knowing that Robin's going to, to, to you know, head to the church, will she get there before or after he says his vows, I think, is the big question. Oh, there's so many questions. And, you know, there really have been a lot of moments that I know fans have loved seeing Patrick and Robin in the past. And there really won't be an opportunity for fans to go to a 24-hour cable channel to see old episodes of Soaps anymore because, effective at the end of the year, SoapNet, which is not affiliated with SoapCentral.com, for folks out there who are very upset that I'm taking my television station off the air, it is not me, it is not SoapCentral.com, but SoapNet will be going off the air for good at the end of the year. And it seems to me that SoapNet had so much promise, and it did do a lot of stuff. It was it was great for how long we had it, more than 10 years, I guess almost 12 years, 13 years, you know, with classic episodes and stuff like that. But it didn't seem to actually get to what fans had hoped, where they wanted to have you know, episodes from the 1950s of all the shows, and it, those were never really there. So what do you think this means? Where will soap fans, Richard, be able to go in the future if they want to see you know, General Hospital episodes from 1980? Well, you know, I have to say, I think Soap Central, I, uh, Soap Central, sorry. See, now you've got me <laughs> doing it. And by the way, by the way, ABC Soaps and it is not ABC Soaps and Depth. It's the ABC edition of Soaps and Depth. We are not affiliated with ABC. We are not owned by ABC. You know, uh, we get that same thing where people, so I also have nothing to do Good. with SoapNet going off the air. Good to know. But I will say, I will say SoapNet really was kind of a disappointment for me over the years. They, you know, they, they never really did what I wanted them to do. They they never broadened their base. They never really their original programming. They never really invested much money in it. Even the even the reruns that they did. You know, we got Ryan's Hope, but we never really got any of the other shows like Search for Tomorrow or The Edge of Night or you know these shows that people were kind of clamoring for. And it eventually became basically a, a well, it was certainly your go-to spot for reruns of The O.C. or of One Tree Hill. But even shows that they ran years ago, like Knott's Landing and things, they stopped running. And I would have liked to have, in these later years, seen another run of those. It just, it never really gelled. I think, I do think we're going to eventually come to a point where um, there will be an outlet for that, whether it'll be, you know, some kind of online thing. Um, you know, we see more and more TV Guide Network is having much luck with its reruns of, uh, or with its same-day broadcasts of The Young and the Restless. That's the other thing that, took, that really never did very well either. Even with the shows that they did have, 
they didn't do a very good job of putting together packages. You know, like they would say, we're going to do a 10-hour Valentine's Day marathon, but it always felt like it was just random episodes. There was no... There was no introduction to them. There was no, like, let's get an actor to sit here and, and do, you know, fun little stories behind the scenes. I don't know. I thought there was so much they could do with it, and they really just, it, it felt like what it ended up being, which was just a place to rerun the shows and get the extra uh, the extra eyeballs, but with very little money investment. Well, if I ever do put together an autobiography or a memoir or whatever you want to call it, I will share all of my... Uh, stories that I have from SoapNet, what folks may not know, and I'm, I'm sure my confidentiality agreement has expired by now, but we'll, we'll, we'll be vague just in case it hasn't, but I, I was, got a few of those too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's expired. I, well, whatever. We'll find out if somebody calls on the other line while we're on the air. But, uh, I was flown out in SoapNet's early days to, you know, chat and had some meetings and all sorts of other stuff. So there's a lot of stories there to try to figure it out. And it seemed as though they really wanted to do everything that you had just said, but for some reason it didn't get there. Mother, it was too expensive. I know one of the things that we're finding, even on television channels like uh, TV Land and, and the Nick at Night channel, is that they can make more money from original content, from new shows. And I know that that was one of the reasons that SoapNet didn't do a lot of the reruns because they were hard to monetize. But while they're doing that, you did mention the TVGN. I don't think we call it TV Guide Network anymore. I think we have to call it TVGN. Um, I just think that's what its new name is, but I'm like you. I still call it TV Guide Network. They announced earlier this week that they are going to start airing The Bold and the Beautiful in primetime. So, Richard... Here comes the question. It's great. I think it's, it's a wonderful opportunity. It expands the availability. You know, the days of our lives, All My Children, One Life to Live, General Hospital, uh, The Young and the Restless, they've been on SoapNet for quite some time. The Bold and Beautiful never was. A lot of fans you know, were upset with me because, of course, I own SoapNet and <laughs> that I didn't have The Bold and the Beautiful on the channel. But here's the question. There has been talk that one of the things that SoapNet did was to cannibalize the ratings of the daytime broadcasts of the shows, which are the ratings that everybody looks at to determine whether or not these shows should be renewed. So, if The Bold and the Beautiful is now available in primetime, do you think that they run the risk of losing viewers in the daytime? And as we know, B&B just put out a press release that they're at nearly four-year highs in the ratings, so a lot of people are tuning in. Is that going to tank now that the show is going to be available at night? I don't think so. I think that I think that what happens with the Bold and the Beautiful being on at night, same as with the Young and the Restless being on at night, I think instead of cannibalizing what it does, is it actually adds to the audience because it makes it available for people who, a lot of people end up using it for, let's say your DVR didn't work, or days like today where the last five minutes of the Young and the Restless was cut off um, on the, here on the East Coast because of the JFK memorials and things. So a lot of people use it as a stopgap. Um, and... I think if you look at, for example, The Young and the Restless, its ratings certainly haven't suffered since since um, it started being run on uh, TVGN. I think the other thing to remember is TVGN, and every time I say that, it makes me think the great Victor Newman. Um, <laughs> but the other the other thing with TVGN is, uh, I believe TVGN. Aren't they owned by Sony, if I'm not mistaken? They're owned 50% um, by CBS and 50% by Lionsgate. 
Okay. So, you know, so it, even if even if they do, it's still going to a place that it's still going into the CBS coffer, so I think they would be okay with that. But do we know but that? Really... Particularly with, like, SoapNet was owned by Disney, which owns ABC, so that's why they had all of the ABC soaps on there. You know, there are people who were saying that no one cares if people were watching it on SoapNet. You know, SoapNet was making money. They were doing quite well for an extended period of time. But the daytime ratings were slipping on ABC. Does anybody sit down and go, hey, you know, we're down half a million viewers in daytime, but we have three million viewers watching on SoapNet or on TVGN? Does anybody really care about that? That's a really good question. It's the same question that you run into with things like, you know, Hulu, whether it's primetime or daytime. You know, the shows, all of the shows, except for the bull, except for, no, not the CBS shows, but General Hospital and, Day, and Days of Our Lives are both available on Hulu. You know, does, how does, how does that impact if people are watching it there? I think one of the things that's really kind of happening is one of the reasons I think you're seeing the audience grow in day part is because there's more and more um, social activity going on, whether it's the actors live tweeting with people, you know, people like you and me live tweeting with people. I think you're seeing a resurgence in soaps being sort of um, event viewing again because you want to watch with your friends and you want to be online and you want to be, you know, sort of, sort of tweeting along or talking along or, you know, whatever. And I think that's, we sort of lost that at a certain point um, in, you know, before Twitter came along, there weren't really, other than chat rooms, there weren't really, there wasn't a mass, a sense that there was a mass of people doing this. But now you really do get a sense that, that there's a lot of people out there who, who are, and, and the networks love it because they would rather you watch live than that you tape it because then you don't fast forward through the commercials. So I, I think that that's kind of balancing out what they might lose to people who are catching the reruns in the evening. I even live tweet the commercials when I watch live because i think that I do that's too. those cotton part of it. with that woman showing up at a wedding trying to like talk everybody about their bum i want her gone if she showed up at my wedding i would slap her <laughs> you're getting married so, yes okay. yes yes well i yeah. guess i should not be upset that i didn't get an invitation maybe i'll show up like robin will and, and burst into the room <laughs> at the last minute i think that you're right though i think that the social element is kind of fun. We went through a period there where I think a lot of people felt that they were the only ones watching soaps. You know, you hear that soaps are going off the air, soaps are an embarrassment, and no one really takes them seriously. And now with Twitter and Facebook and other places, you really have an opportunity to see quite literally millions of other people who are just like you, who are watching a show who, you know, you, you may not be able to watch some of the shows at home with your friends, with them being on five days a week. It's harder to do a, a mass gathering than it was for, I know people did gatherings for things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and they make them event television. So it's not practical to do that five times a week. Doing it on Twitter with a, a group of virtual friends really is kind of fun to be able to have that, that back and forth and share your thoughts and see what other people are thinking. And in some cases, you know, people argue over what they're seeing. It's also really good for, um, one of the things I've always been really happy about is I have people every day, when I'm live tweeting, say, General Hospital, I will have people say, you know, I'm sitting at work or I'm sitting in the doctor's office or I'm sitting at school, not that they should be sitting at work or at school reading my tweets, but they'll say, you've got me so excited to go home and watch tonight. And the reason I really like that is when I started live tweeting shows, I never wanted to replace, you know, I didn't want 
reading my tweets to become a replacement for actually watching the show. And so the fact that people read it and, you know, whether, and they're reading all the tweets and they're following the GH timeline, you know, of all the different people who are live tweeting and they say, I can't wait to go home and watch. That to me is a really positive thing um, because it's, it's, again, it's growing the market and that's what's important. Well, with growing the market, one of the things that, uh, Jen Brony 82 brought up is something that I wanted to mention as well. Uh, she mentions uh, because there's no one life to live. I would have to say that there could be an argument made that there being less soaps on the air, only four at the moment, which, you know, hopefully that will change at some point in life, but there are only four right now. There are fewer soaps that are competing for viewers. So it may be that people are settling back into shows that they watched before because they don't want them to go away. Maybe there are people whose shows have gone away and they're finding new soaps or or trying to reunite with actors that were on their soaps before. So it may be possible that the reason we're seeing this uptick, and it's not just the bold and beautiful that I I mentioned with their four-year highs, uh, Days of Our Lives, I think it's uh, their biggest audience in two, almost three years. We heard General Hospital is up in the ratings. They're at like five-year highs. So, I mean, there are a lot of shows that are gaining more viewers. So if it isn't that they're actually getting more viewers, the other option is that you know, maybe the ratings are becoming more accurate. Maybe there are better Nielsen families who are actually watching the soaps. But, I mean, it does sort of, to me, seem that maybe there are soap fans who are just going and, and flocking around the shows that are remaining. And that's sort of the reason that we see an, up, an uptick, even though there really wouldn't be per se. I agree. I think, I think, you know, that there's sort of a bunker mentality, like, well, you took this one away. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to jump on board this one. I also think there is definitely something to buzz, you know, and, and that's what things like Twitter or your message boards over at Soap Central or, you know, um, our Facebook page, whatever, all of those help to create buzz. Um, Every day, you know, when when you're live tweeting or you're just talking to people on Twitter about soaps, the more you talk about it, the more you notice people will start, you know, you, you end up getting more followers. And that's people who are joining the conversation. And, and, and I think there's just, you know, there's something to be said about buzz. There's also something to be said for the fact that the shows are really pretty good right now. I mean, Days of Our Lives is is just knocking it out of the park. General Hospital is is you know creating this sense of every day at the end of the episode, you're like, oh my god, mm-hmm. I can't wait to see what happens next. And Bold and the Beautiful is just is just fun. I mean, I I love that half hour every day uh, between the romance and just just the out and out fun that it is. Plus, it's a nice short half hour, so it's really easy to <laughs> to, to watch. So I think you combine all of those factors, and that explains why we're seeing better ratings. I'm watching the the clock here, and I want to make sure that we don't run out of time, but there's another question that I have about social media. Uh, Jamaican Diva on Twitter sort of prompted this in my head. She says, Twitter doesn't have enough characters for me to express my true and very unhappy but yet unpleasant thoughts about the young and the restless. Social media... And the ability for people to say whatever comes to their mind, it does, Richard, lend itself to the possibility that people will speak badly about a show or talk about what they don't like. So isn't that the other side of this, of the coin where it's great to have people buzzing about your show, but can you also run the risk that there's a bunch of people who are unhappy who are trying to talk people out of watching a show? 
Yeah, you know, I remember years ago, someone at NBC, and I can't remember what it was, who it was, but they told me uh, it was someone involved with Passions, and I don't remember whether it was a writer or a director or, you know, even even one of the heads of NBC Daytime, but they said to me, you know, when a, sh- when a, when a viewer says to me, if so-and-so and so-and-so don't get together, I'm never watching this show again, I know I'm doing it right because I've got them talking about it. I've got them angry. I've got them and anti- they want it. You know, they, they're, they're not going to tune it out because they want it. I do think that, you know, God knows the internet is the place that people go to be negative. I mean, I mean, it's so, there is just, it, there's a, just a, a hive mentality that really encourages a lot of negativity. And there's, there's, there's loving snark and then there's cruel, you know, like cruel, nasty negativity. You do see that, but I don't think that that I, it existed before. People just didn't necessarily have an outlet for it. But I don't know. I think it's tough because you those those people always were there, and they always, you know, before they just were writing letters. You know, they were writing letters. Where? I'm going to stop watching <laughs> your show. I don't, you know, I don't like what you're doing. Now they just have a place where they can do it more publicly. Well, it's funny that you mention that, Richard, because it takes no time flat to be able to send a tweet. There are 140 characters. You can send it out in, in the blink of an eye. It takes a great deal of thought to be able to craft a letter, to write it on a piece of paper, put it in an envelope, affix a stamp, and send it off to SoapCentral.com, P.O. Box 516, Philadelphia, PA 19105. And, Richard, I have an e- uh, a letter that I can't read the entire thing because... Well, I just can't. But I have a letter that I'd like to get your thoughts on. <laughs> it's from Mike in Michigan. Let me... All right. Are you ready, Richard? I'm ready. I don't think you are. Uh, <laughs> it's a letter to Ava. It says, Aww. Ava, I need you to do me a favor, an errand. Ava, there is a blondie in the soap net. I want to meet her and be away from Lebanese women. In Native American Indian language, a Lebanese is an early bird of mankind, judged to be a seed of Neanderthal and Cro-Magnon man. Humiliating sentiments have put me to a coma of life without women. The breed is not the champion in the human scale. A Lebanese is a weakling in the development of man in full quality. The reasons I want to be a partition of myself from the Lebanese danger in the full array of humanity, making me look stupid, injuring my survival to a bonanza of rejection in the public eye. Thoughts? I think I think he just got a bonanza of rejection in the public eye. <laughs> you know, we actually have um, over the years accumulated a wall of similar letters. <laughs> oh, they're good. Uh, you know, they're 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 almost always directed to uh, characters, not actors. <laughs> they almost always assume that I I or someone at my magazine either write the shows or or a little bit scarier go and hang out with these people, meaning not go and hang out with the actors, but go and like hang out at the docks on Port Charles. Um, yeah. Someday I'm going to put together a that That'll be the other thing we put together in that book, a book of letters to letters written to us 
from from various soap fans. Um, yeah, that's a good one. I got to say, that's a that's a pretty good one. But that doesn't answer my question, which is, what does it mean? I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> I, no, I, no I suspect what it means. Okay. Is well, I suspect what it means is that Heather Weber's going to get a new roommate soon. <laughs> I don't know what a special friend who shows up at Thanksgiving and Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was interesting and I knew that the only other person, well, in addition to the, you know, thousands and thousands of people who are actually listening to the show, I thought that you might enjoy that as well. So I'm going to file that away now in my special keeper folder. <laughs> You know, it's interesting, though, you do bring something up when you talk about letters. I used to tell people, you know, when at the height of the soap campaign, when they were um, they were sending emails and stuff, and I would always say, if you want to get, you know, if you really want to get the attention of whether it's a network executive or, you know, you at Soap Central or me at the magazine, really writing a letter has, to me, more weight than sending an email or sending a tweet because it's very easy to get, you know, to set up a system that just like every five seconds sends out a tweet or an email or whatever. When you actually write a letter and you, like you said, you, you have to write it and stamp it and put it in an envelope and take it to the post office. And that actually shows a lot of, you know, that really shows that you're determined to get this message across. It really carries more weight to me. It costs money. Yeah, yeah, you're spending money. You're not just hit and send on a tweet, you know? It really does seem, like, to me, that seems like it carries more weight than than anything else. It says it's about two ounces, so I don't know how much, that's not really that much weight, but that's what it says on the envelope. But you're talking about hitting the send button. <laughs> Richard, you can be found a lot of places on the internet. That's a good thing, I suppose. Let our <laughs> listeners know where they can find you, what they might find from you on your various Twitter accounts so that they can track you down because I, I know that they have to enjoy you as much as I do. You can find me just about anywhere. And if there's something <laughs> I like talking about it, I tend to have segregated accounts. So I have Howard <laughs> You is my personal account. Cruise First is my cruising account. My talking about cruise ships, not uh, uh, Mellow Mickey is where I talk about Disney. Soaps in Depth ABC is where I talk about ABC soaps. Soaps in Depth CBS is where I talk about CBS soaps. I'm I'm everywhere. I'm on Facebook. You know, just send up a. If you send something out into the universe, I will probably find it on one of my many 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 accounts. I'd also just like to give a quick pimp, if I may. Um, many of you who follow me and who follow Dan and who know us all. Um, also know Charlie, my, my, my best friend slash office mate, Charlie Mason, and his first book just came out. It's called What Became of Her, and it's available on Amazon for a dollar. Uh, and my book, bless the world, it's taken me two years to get it out, but it's finally, hopefully, coming out this week, sometime later this week, hopefully, homesick. I'll have more information for it on all of my various accounts, but I'm very excited. <laughs> it's my horror novel, and I've been wanting it to come out forever. Well but I had to finish it first. That is a problem. You have to finish it first. We will make sure, for those of you out there who didn't catch all of that, we're going to tweet the information so that you can have it on one of my many accounts. We have a 
Twitter account for Soap Central. It's at Soap Central. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Soap Central. I've also recently set up a Google Plus account and an Instagram account. The Instagram oh account is Instagram.com slash The Soap Central. I'm going to have random photos of all things soapy and wonderful, and hopefully I'll, I'll gather those together. It's a lot more difficult than I thought it would be. I thought I could upload them from my computer, but apparently you have to actually take pictures, Richard, and that's a whole other story of, of cool. Instagram wonderfulness. But there are a lot of places, and of course my personal account is Dan J. Kroll. The J is silent, but it's still there for some reason. And Richard, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out this last Friday before Thanksgiving to be here and talk turkey with us. Absolutely anytime. And, uh, you know, happy Thanksgiving to all of your listeners. And uh, as we head into the holiday season, remember, keep your head. It's just the holidays. It'll be over in January. (laughs) It will. And this show is just about over. So if you've missed any part of it or you'd like to hear it again, or maybe while you're all gathered around the, the Thanksgiving table, you want to listen to some past episodes of the show. There are now 205 episodes. You can find them all at soapcentral.com slash radio. Everyone is there. They're all free to download or you can stream them live and listen to them in real time. And we're also on iTunes, something that a lot of people are forgetting. You can download the show as a podcast for free. Just zip on over to soapcentral.com slash iTunes and it'll take you to where you need to go. There will be an episode of Soap Central Live next week on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. I'm still working on it. I don't know what it's about, so stay tuned. I'll post it. I'll let you know what it's about. And then we'll be back here live on December 6th at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific for this continuing saga that we like to call, what do we call it, Richard? Richard it's, we call it Soap Central Live. So have a great oh, Soap Central Live. Oh, I thought there was some joke there. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Join us next time for the continuing story of all your favorite soaps. Tune in next Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of Soap Central Live on the Voice America Variety Channel.